morphologic variations of the uterus. We have a normal uterine cavity, so single cervix, single vagina, and single uterine cavity. Didelvis, didelphus uterus, and that is basically two uteri. They can have a vaginal septum, meaning two vaginal canals in 75% of the cases. And we have bicornuate uterus, which is two heads of the uterus, and it's separated by normal endometrial tissue. So again, it's bicornuate, uh, duplicated horns of the uterus, and can share a single cervix or two cervices. So it's bicornuate bicolis and bicornuous unicolis. Unicolis is a single cervix but bicornuate uterus and bicornuous bicolis is two cervices and two uterus or bicornuate uterus. And finally, septate uterus. This is the uterine cavity is separated by fibrous or muscular septum. So we still get kind of get two horns similar to bicornuate uterus except the tissue separating the two horn is fibrous or muscular tissue. And because it's separated by fibrous or muscular tissue, they cannot support uh, pregnancy. And these are the patients who typically present with recurrent failure of conception or failure of maturation of a pregnancy because of lack of the vascular supply in these structures. Again, to summarize morphologic variations of the uterus, we have normal single uterine cavity, and then we have didelvis uterus, which is completely two separate uteri canals, and they can have vaginal septum up to 75% of the time. We can have a bicornuate uterus, two horns of the uterus. These are separated by normal uterine tissue, and they can carry a pregnancy. We have two variations of that. We have bicornuous bicolis, meaning two horns and two cervix, and bicornuous unicolis, two horns and a single cervix. Finally, septate uterus, which is two horns, like pyocarnoid uterus, but instead of having a normal uterine tissue in between the two horns, what we have is muscular or fibrous septum. Because of this structure, it cannot carry a pregnancy and patient recur, complain of recurrent miscarriage. What are the carpal bones along the radial aspect of the wrist from distal or from the hand to the radius. So we have trapezium and trapezoid. We have the capitate, which is kind of in the, in the middle. And then we have the scaphoid. Again, the carpal bones along the radial aspect of the wrist are trapezium, trapezoid, and scaphoid. Capitate is really in the middle. Children, ovarian masses that is associated with abnormal sexual development, granulosa cell tumor, or theca granulosa. Again, they present with abnormal sex development. They typically, these tumors or granulosa cell tumor or theca tumor are hormonally active and children present with precocious puberty or menstrual irregularity after puberty. Most common form of craniosynostosis, scaphocephaly or otherwise known as dolicocephaly. Again, most common form of craniosynostosis is scaphocephaly or dolicocephaly. This is the same thing. What it is, it's a premature closure of the sagittal suture which limit the 
lateral growth of the skull and maintains the anterior to posterior growth of the skull. What happens is you get an elongated shape skull. Again, most common form of craniosynostosis is scaphocephaly or dolichocephaly, and it is premature closure of the sagittal suture which limits the lateral growth options for the skull and only allows for anterior to posterior growth of the skull, producing the elongated skull. This is a question I really hate, but I think it's important and can be easily asked. What are the content of the superior orbital fissure? It contains the trigeminal nerve, the ophthalmic division of the trigeminal nerve, the trochlear nerve or cranial nerve 4, and the superior ophthalmic vein. Again, the superior orbital fissure contains the ophthalmic division of the trigeminal nerve, trochlear nerve, which is trigeminal or cranial nerve number 4, and superior ophthalmic vein. What structure go through the foramen rotundum? It transmits the maxillary division of the trigeminal nerve or trigeminal or cranial nerve number five and the artery of the foramen of rotundum and some emissary veins. Again, structures that pass through the foramen rotundum is the maxillary division of the trigeminal nerve. Trigeminal nerve is cranial nerve number five. Also, the artery of the foramen of rotundum and emissary veins go through the foramen of rotundum. What structure passes through the vidian or pterygoid canal? It transmits the vidian artery and nerve. Let's repeat them one more time. What structure passes through the superior orbital fissure? We get the ophthalmic division of the trigeminal nerve. We get the trochlear nerve or cranial nerve number four. And we get the superior ophthalmic vein. What structure passes through the foramen rotundum? We have the maxillary division of the trigeminal nerve, and we have the artery of foramen of rotundum and some emissary veins. Pterygoid canal or vidian canal transmit the vidian artery and nerve. What is Foie-Olajuanin syndrome? Foie-Olajuanin syndrome is presentation of spinal AVM with progressive neurological deterioration. Again, Foie-Olajuanin syndrome is the presentation of spinal AVM with progressive neurological deterioration. Types or phenotypes of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. We have septal hypertrophy phenotype. Obviously, um, septum or interventricular septum is hypertrophied. Even though there's increased muscle, what it really represents is myocyte disarray and disinhibit proper contraction. So typically the cardiac myocytes are in uh, one direction and they function synchronous as a single muscle. But with septal hypertrophy or cardiomyopathy in general, you have improper contraction due to myocyte disarray. We have apex hypertrophy, we have apex hypertrophy with aneurysm, and we have hypertrophy with obstruction. Again, septal hypertrophy, apex hypertrophy, and apex hypertrophy with aneurysm. Os acromiale, what is this? This is a persistent accessory ossification center at the acromium, seen up to 15%. This is best evaluated in the axillary view x-ray, and while this may be asymptomatic on MRI, if there is marrow edema, this can be suggestive of a cause for shoulder pain. 
The treatment is resection. Again, us acromiale is a persistent accessory ossification center at the acromium. Seen up to 15% of patients can be benign, but if there is bone marrow edema on MRI, this can be the source of pain. The treatment, obviously, to resect it. We have four types. We have basiacromium, metaacromium, mesoacromium, and preacromium. I don't think it's important to know these types. The You have to know that it exists, best seen on the axillary review of, on the x-ray, and it's seen as a persistent ossification center and may be the cause of shoulder pain in some patients. Multiple sclerosis medication associated with causing progressive multifocal loconcephalopathy, particularly if the patient has a JC virus, TASRB or natalizumab, Again, an MS or multiple sclerosis medication associated with causing PML or progressive multifocal loconcephalopathy, especially if the patient has JC virus, is Tysarbi or natalizumab. What is the Salter classifications? So a, bit, a good way of looking at it, if we imagine the distal tibia or the distal tibial physis in a growing uh, skeleton, and the mnemonic is Salter itself, from Salter-Harris classification. So S is type 1, and it's straight across, which means the physis would widen straight across the physis, causing the physis to widen. Type 2, second letter in Salter is A, and A stands for above. Again, we're talking about the distal tibial physis. And so the fracture would extend from the physis to the above metaphysis. So if the metaphysis involved is type 2 fracture, so a fracture extending from the physis into the metastasis is metaphysis is type 2 fracture. Type 3, the last, the third letter of Salter is L and stand for low. And so the fracture would extend from the physis low to the Epiphysis. So when the fracture extends from the physis to the epiphysis, it's low or the third type of Salter-Harris classification. The fourth type is the fourth letter in Salter, which is the T. T stands for through or to, which means it involves both the metaphysis and the epiphysis in addition to the physis. Finally, type 5. The last two letters are ER. Really, there isn't a great mnemonic for them, but pressure, I guess. And it's when the physis is compressed, meaning there is axial loading, and it compresses the physis. Type 5 is opposite to type 1. Type 1, we said widening of the physis. We said we can see it in chronic or gymnast wrist or little league elbow if it's a chronic process. And then type 5 is an axial loading injury along the long axis of the bone, and it compresses the physis. Type 2, we said Salter is SAA is the second letter, which means above, and we said the example was the distal tibia, so the fracture would extend from the physis above into the metaphysis. Type 3, we said that for, type 3 is the third letter of Salter, which is the L. L is for low, so the fracture would extend lower into the epiphysis. Type 4, we said the letter T is the fourth letter in Salter, and it's 2, so it's the metaphysis and the epiphysis are involved in the fracture. Devic disease, 
Specific disease is the same thing as neuromyelitis optica. Neuromyelitis optica is a idiopathic inflammatory demyelinating disorder of the central nervous system, and it is characterized by severe attacks of optic neuritis and myelitis. Typically, it involves the optic nerve, we said the optic nerve, and myelitis involves the cervical spine or cervical spinal cord. In the optic nerve, typically, the posterior optic nerve is more involved, meaning it involves the chiasm, and we can see bilateral involvement as well of both optic nerves. Again, Divic disease or neuromyelitis optica is idiopathic inflammatory process of the optic nerve and cervical spinal cord, and it is typically involved the posterior optic nerve, including the chiasm, and it can be bilateral. Features of benign thyroid nodules on ultrasound. We have spongiform nodule, purely or predominantly cystic nodule, nodules with well-defined hypoechoic halo around them, and echogenic as well as echogenic nodules. Obviously, calcifications are bad, but spongiform, purely or predominantly cystic nodules, nodules with well-defined hypoechoic halo, echogenic nodules with isoechoic to the rest of the thyroid parenchyma are also all features of benign nodules. In a previous podcast, we talked about malignant nodules. The key thing is calcifications and solid component increased risk of malignancy. What is paint lesion? Paint lesion is a partial articular tear with intratendinous extension in the rotator cuff. The rotator cuff partial tear Tears are three categories. It can either be articular surface, or it can be borsal-sided tear, or it can be intrasubstinous or interstitial tearing. Paint is a articular-sided tear with extent into the intrasubstinous or interstitial component. What is the left superior intercostal vein? Now, this is a vein that on, if present on AP or PA chest radiograph would look like an aortic nipple or a small projection along the aortic arch. It can mimic dissection on CT scan if they really want to be tricky, but obviously the presentation is the difference as well as the contrast timing. The function for the left superior intercostal vein, it drains the second and third posterior intercostal veins into the left brachiocephalic vein. So the way to tell if it's it's not a dissection outside of the presentation, if you're able to slide through and see that it's draining into the left brachiocephalic vein. Again, the left superior intercostal vein drains the second and third posterior intercostal veins into the left brachiocephalic vein. On axial CT slice, you can see it coursing just adjacent to the aortic arch and it may mimic dissection if they're trying to be tricky. So be sure to familiarize yourself of how it looks on a PA chest x-ray. It looks like a small projection along the aortic arch.